truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And Merry Christmas. It's our final broadcast week of the year. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are here as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. If you would like to join us, 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. Try liking us on Facebook, and we do emphasize the word try. Try it. It may happen, but we doubt it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. If you are listening to us today via Blaze Radio or the podcast, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. That's right. It is our final week, broadcast week of 2019. We're going to have normal programming the next few days. So, you know, Bob Vanderplatz will join us here today. And then we'll have our Monday Town Hall, and we're going to turn it over to our social media audience to ask me anything one final time this year. Tomorrow, we'll do Fake News or Not, Pop Culture Tuesday, and all that good stuff. Wednesday, our weekly Prophet of Woe and Lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. You know, he's not taking the season off. Oh, no. No, he's got to bring us the woe. We need that right now. Uh, And we'll play some Buy, Sell, or Hold. And then Thursday and Friday, it's our two-part end-of-the-year special. On Thursday, it's a special two-hour year-end dace group, one of our most fun shows of the year, just a rapid-fire review of the year that was. And then Friday, we'll come back and count down the top 10 stories of 2019. We'll look back at my crystal ball from 2019, the 10 predictions I made 365 days ago, how many of those came true. One last feedback Friday, and then we're out until 2020. So that's what you've got lined up right now. Which means you've got a limited time to take advantage of a fantastic offer just in time for the Christmas season. If you're looking for that last minute Christmas gift idea for you, well, for you or someone you know, all right, now's the time to get your subscription to Blaze TV so that you don't miss the overtime that we're going to do later today or none of the other exclusive content that gets done every day here at Blaze TV. Right now, a 30-day free trial with a with a special $20 off an annual subscription. That's right, a 30-day free trial. Try it for 30 days. What do you got to lose? See if you like it. $20 off if you stick around for your annual subscription. If you go to blazetv.com slash dace and use the promo code steve20off. Promo code Steve20Off at blazetv.com slash dace. 30-day free trial with a special $20 off an annual subscription if you try it and decide that you like it. But you need to use the promo code Steve20Off when you go to blazetv.com slash dace. And now, here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a Chinese trade deal. The U.S. and China have reportedly reached phase one of a trade deal that would ease some U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods in exchange for increased Chinese purchases of U.S. agricultural goods and energy products. China has also pledged in the agreement to better protect U.S. intellectual property to curb the coerced transfer of American technology to Chinese firms to open up its financial services market to U.S. firms and avoid manipulation of its currency. Defense Secretary Mark Esper is calling for a large increase in programs to train foreign nationals alongside U.S. troops. 
This comes after the shooting recently at the U.S. Naval Air Station in Pensacola, Florida, by a Saudi national who is part of one of those programs. On the campaign trail, every single Democratic presidential candidate who has met the threshold for participating in this week's primary debate has threatened to skip the event after it came to light that the venue owner is currently in a labor dispute with its food workers union. Another fake controversy erupted this weekend before the Army-Navy game. Cadets were seen flashing the OK symbol in what was obviously the circle game. Of course, people online took it to mean white power or some crap. Minnesota Congresswoman Elon Omar, your thoughts? We just had members um, of the Navy uh, during the Army-Navy football game, and it was flashing what looked like the white power sign. Like, these are the things that we're talking about in the news. I mean, hate, um, xenophobic rhetoric um, is very dangerous, and it's becoming synonymous with the Republican Party. They have refused to condemn and distance themselves um, from members within their party uh, that have threatened my life and the lives of, of others that have caused the deaths of, of people um, in, in this country who follow uh, their message. Former New Jersey Democrat Jeff Van Drew announced he's leaving the Democratic Party and becoming a Republican over his disagreement with the Democrats on impeachment. Something interesting is happening in the race to replace the disgraced Congresswoman Katie Hill. Jenk Uger of the leftist YouTube production The Young Turks is running for that seat. Last week, Bernie Sanders endorsed the leftist for that House seat and then retracted that endorsement after sharp criticism that Uger is sexist and homophobic. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, the brown-skinned Marxist dude isn't woke enough. Este tipo marxista de piel morena no ha despertado lo suficiente. Shocking video surfaced late last week of a group of five black students from Hamilton County, Florida, viciously beating a white student. The boy's mother, who was beaten, says it stemmed from him wearing a Trump hat, but the school insisted that the instance was unrelated to politics. Those five students have been charged with misdemeanor battery. Hallmark recently pulled an advertisement for a wedding planning service which depicted a so-called lesbian wedding after the company deemed the content too controversial. Of course, there was leftist backlash to that, so Hallmark reversed course again and apologized for the offense they had caused by not showing that ad. Netflix is at the butt end of a one million signature petition to remove a new Christmas special featuring Jesus Christ depicted as being a closeted homosexual. New York Times tweets, The distribution of shells in one hermit crab population was surprisingly similar to the distribution of wealth in human societies. That may make hermit crabs one of the first animals known to experience wealth inequality. And finally, a classic video resurfaced recently showing a boy opening up a Christmas present on Christmas Day with his foster family. Okay, would you read that out loud? Carter, this is our most recent picture of our family. All of us would love for you to be in the next picture and to be part of our family. Carter, would you like to be a part? And be in our son and brother. <laughs> what do you think, buddy? Yay! And that's what happened while we were away.
Aaron's Montage brought to you by Relief Factor. If you're one of millions of Americans struggling with chronic pain as a result of too much inflammation in the body, Relief could be just one website away when you get the three-week quick start at relieffactor.com. I know I was dubious that it really worked that well. As well, I would come on the blaze back before our show was carried here on this platform as just a meager guest. And I would listen to the host rave about this product. And I'm like, is it really, really that good? And then earlier this year, they asked me to give it a try. And whoa, Nelly, uh, I have been a big fan ever since. It's a part of my daily regimen, including my post-workout recovery like it was this morning. I couldn't recommend it uh, more highly. But hey, call their bluff too, like I did. Try the three-week quick start just like I did. It's a dollar a day. That's it. What do you have to lose for 20 bucks for three weeks, except maybe finally, and hopefully the pain. And here's here's how it works. There's other, there's other products out there that can help you with this that are good too. I just love the way that this product works. 100% drug-free, so four key all-natural ingredients, but put together, this formula was, did a little Yoda for you there, Star Wars week, put together, this formula was, by actual healthcare professionals, doctors even, who can prescribe drugs. So to me, that's always what I'm looking for. You know, I'm not really big when, when we square off on the, uh, the, you know, the, the science versus naturalism uh, debate when it comes to medicine. I, I, I kind of like a little bit of both. You know, I, I kind of like modern innovation with the recognition that I'm more than a machine. I'm a created living organism, and I think they find the sweet spot there with relief factor. So try the three-week quick start right now for a dollar a day, 20 bucks for three weeks. Call their bluff because they think you're going to see results and come back for more. Let's find out together at relieffactor.com. We're going to set aside the the Netflix special for Christmas that has Jesus depicted as a homosexual. We're going to discuss that today in our overtime at blazetv.com slash days. And I'm going to ask our panel today a question. If, If the Apostle Paul were alive today, what would he say about this? What would he say that the largest streaming platform on the planet, Netflix, is using its vast resources to create this content. What, if anything, maybe he would, you think he would say nothing. So we're going to discuss that coming up today in the overtime. But let's get to the rest of the montage, as much of it as we possibly can, shall we? Aaron, you seemed a, a, a tad bit skeptical of the China trade deal top line uh, details that we have been told so far. Now, I'm not the most perceptive person out there, but I, I detected in your delivery there. Did you did you sense this as well, Todd? Un poco. Yeah, I, I detected at least a tinge of skepticism. Correct. Yeah, I, I read the uh, I read the phrase China has agreed to start to curb uh, intellectual property infringements, and I I couldn't really take anything seriously after that. So, in other words, you think that this is essentially based on your reading of it. We're relying on the same people that we've already pointed out have been yeah. stealing from us to to do an honor code, you know, basically. You know, I, I, I laughed at that part of it. And yeah, all, all these things that China says, yeah, we'll stop doing this. I am just of the mindset, just get rid of, of the tariffs, get get back to what we were before, because obviously this plan is, is not working. Well, that's what this is. Yeah, This is an opportunity for, here's my read on it. And you can tell me if you disagree, okay? Uh, I think this is a uh, th- this is the White House has to save face and get out of this. They're they're not going. It, yeah. It's it's unwinnable politically, and the reason why it's unwinnable politically is because you're up against a regime that doesn't have the same, uh, you know, uh, electoral perils that you do. 
They can just lie to their people whenever they want with impunity. They can impose on them, lean on them whenever they want with impunity. They can do and pay to their people whatever they want with impunity. So that's an uneven, uneven playing field is trying to address them in this way. And you've got the Christmas shopping season underway. Remember, they already suspended these. Uh, until what was it going to be late December? I think was the was the, because again these are taxes they get passed on to the consumer. You the, the producers don't pay them; they just raise the cost, and you do. Okay, and so they already suspended these for the so is it to not have it uh, negatively impact the, the fourth quarter economic report and a lot because a lot of that's going to be based off of the Christmas shopping season, and Trump's going to have enough problems next year, uh, and I'll talk more about that later this week. I think with the system doing whatever it can including the Federal Reserve, to stop him from winning re-election. He's got to eliminate the things that he can control that that might, uh, you know, put a, a sabo in the economy. And this is one of them. It's un, it's unwinnable. I, I agree he can't look weak. Once, he, once you go down this road, you can't look weak. And so this is an opportunity, in my view, to save face and get out of this now. And, and, I, wouldn't, and I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if this, is, if this is a Fallujah moment for Trump. Meaning three seconds after George W. Bush won re-election, we finally sent the cavalry into uh, the Anbar province and just started racking up body counts, right? And because they were, the Bush administration was deathly afraid of, of doing that before the election and upsetting the Arab street and what the negative press and a high casualty event could do for the reelect. And then the minute that, you know, the election was certified, I mean, the, the, we sent in the troops and uh, we just started killing bad guys. I wouldn't be shocked if this is something that is readdressed in the first quarter of 2021 after he wins reelection. I think that this is a, a shrewd move to get out and save face without looking weak. That's my own read on it, Todd. Well, I've always had a different take about this thing. I just It's never been about economics, strictly speaking. It's been about high-stakes poker. Uh, I, I, I think it's winnable politically to the extent that it's always been political. Even even his um, a lot of the farmers, I th- we've even featured some of them on the show, at least clips of them, saying, you know, we're not— we, this is hurting us, but at least somebody's he fights. They gave that answer. He's taking on uh, China. And, you know, if Trump is just going to declare victory. He's going to say he backed him down. Now, I honestly don't know what. Ch- and he's enigmatic enough that if, if I don't know if this is true, but he might just be driving China kind of mad because for all the same reasons, everybody is driven mad uh, by him because you just he's frustrating. He cannot quite be managed. So I, I think he will do. What you said. I think he'll plant his flag. He'll declare victory. Then 2021, he'll just do it all over again if he feels like it. This is this has been classically Trumpian to me. I don't know ultimately if it's going to move China in any way. Let, let, let me that's explain lasting. why I think this is not winnable. It's 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 not winnable politically. And that last word is vital here. You you cannot you cannot win a strictly political argument. You can't be unevenly yoked here. All right. This isn't leveraging the media or Nancy Pelosi or getting a guy to flip, you know, because he's in a sensitive district and he's worried that these, this, this impeachment is so unpopular and he flips parties right in the middle of it. OK, before he votes, the, those are where there's an there's at least an approaching an equal amount of leverage in the relationship that can be um, or an equal amount of pressure that can be leveraged. You cannot pressure politically a totalitarian regime. Because they can do whatever. There, there is no place where if, if you and I go to the mall and everything we buy is 30% more than it was last month, okay, 
that's going to bring hellfire down on this White House, particularly this time of year. There is no equivalent to this within the Chinese government. It doesn't, it doesn't exist because they're an oppressive regime. The way you have to pressure them is, is, geopolit- is, 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 is actually militarily. That's why, to me, I thought it was like serendipitous that these Hong Kong uprisings began right about the time he opened up his trade war. That's your, that's your leverage point. They're over there singing God Bless America and, and playing the national anthem. And, you know, they're making alms to statues to Trump in the streets of Hong Kong. That's your pressure point. Taiwan is your pressure point. All right? You have to threaten people with what they're threatened by. They're not threatened by increased costs for them and their people. They're in a command economy. They determine what the costs are. They're, not, they're living only by markets that they totally contrive and control. With a, with, with, with a rifle and a tank in Tiananmen Square pointed at their people if they don't want to pay it. Which okay? is why it's laughable for them to say, yeah, we'll curb intellectual uh, right. They're not, property. Yeah, they're yeah, not, yeah, let me give you your subliminal man. They're not going to curb the intellectual property theft. That's not going to happen. Because this is the wrong pressure point. You have to pressure them militarily. That's originally what I thought the North Korea normalization attempt was about. Remember, we had those conversations two years ago. That I thought was Trump attempting to create a triangulation with North Korea. Turn them into a, a frenemy, similar to what Nixon did to pressure the Soviets in the 60s with, the, with, with opening up markets to China in the first place. Is this was this his attempt to essentially, and, and, they, and that, was that the, the, the massaging of, of Kim Jong-un's ego as well? Because he's the redheaded stepchild of the, of the Shycom family, right? He, that's what he is, okay? He's, he's a big bully. You know, he's the cousin Eddie here. He bullies his trailer park. But when they all get together for the family reunion, everybody knows he's not really a part of the Griswold family. And so you, you, you let him, you tell him how great, fabulous, and beautiful he is, and, and those genes do not make your butt look big. And, and in fact, here's an even brighter bowl to put around your head before you cut your hair the next time. And we want to create the Korean Peninsula as a, as a market now to, 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 in, to impede militarily and geopolitically on Chinese hegemony. That's how you can, can compete with them. But a straight-up one-on-one political fight isn't going to work because they don't care. They don't care about their people, and they, they don't have the same pressures at home. Um, no one's writing think pieces. Well, you know, I used to be a proud member of the Communist Party, and I just can't believe, you know, that we uh, we're, we're violating our principles by getting in a trade war with the U.S. Like Trump is facing from half the staff at National Review and m- much of the conservative media, let alone, um, you know, his opposition. Those things don't exist. So you have to pressure people where they feel pressure, and where China feels pressure is is military hegemony. That's where they feel pressure. You have to be willing to threaten that. I don't think this does. And I think if he wants to revisit this again in 2021, he's got to reconsider his strategy. Otherwise, all he's going to do, I'm not opposed to addressing this theoretically. I'm opposed to addressing it, I think, uh, unrealistically. Uh, Otherwise, you're just taxing your own people. There there is no amount of strict head-on economic leverage you can bring to bear on China. They'll just make their people suffer more. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you win this economically. I don't. I do think it's winnable militarily, but we'll have this conversation again. Something tells me again in another year or two. Speaking of militarily, you have the foreign power um, or the foreign training program. I, I, I go back to, um, I mean, Aaron, you grew up like listening to my show, right? Yep. Okay. The old local show. Do you remember the, when we had the Fort Hood massacre? Yeah. Were you listening back then? Yeah. 
And and there was one of the most disturbing clips I had in my local career was the Secretary of the Army was doing an interview on CNN. Do you remember this, Todd? It was right after this, right after the Fort Hood massacre. I in, don't off the top of my in head. In the Obama years. And he was doing an interview on CNN and he was adamant that he didn't want this to disturb and uproot their Muslim diversity program. Oh, do you remember sure, that clip? Now I do. Yeah. Okay. While we're while the Obama regime was calling it workplace violence, right? Doesn't that sound very Obama esque here? Our answer to a Saudi national, a team of Saudi nationals orchestrating a terrorist attack. And by the way, if you notice how that's just disappeared. What's disappeared? Puff. Yeah. Puff. The magic shooting never happened. Right. Add it to the list. If we add it to the list. If we ran for president, you know, you know what I want for Christmas? I want some America first. I'd like that for Christmas. Can we get some America first for Christmas? Can we get some of that? Instead of a strategy that makes our own people pay. So we, this tariff strategy is like in poker where a guy has to pay for a wild card and then he gets mad. And so when it's his bet, he then bets the exact amount he had to pay for the wild card and he thinks he's getting over. Well, not everybody has to pay except he paid for the wild card and the bet. So he's actually paying more. You know where I'm going with this? That's what this strategy was. We just taxed our own people to leverage China to get nothing. That was the strategy. And now this strategy is, is we don't use an issue that you'd think, you know, when you're out there, wouldn't you think if you're out there trying to make the case in, in, in federal court proceedings that you're not pursuing these immigration policies because you're a xenophobe, you'd think, especially in an era where these 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 uh, judiciaries and federal courts are using what Trump says as as on you know as on the stump with as as evidence for how they render their rulings wouldn't you think if you had something that just dropped in your lap is a perfect example of what you've been trying to tell the country for the last 4 years don't you think you'd run with that to the hilt he hasn't done that since no. that very first month when he's in, in fact, office he, has, when he, he gave he, us hope yeah, yeah. on his right. uh is uh, what was on the, it? On, the, country, on the travel ban, travel ban, the, yes. the, which was the countries that the Obama administration had already banned from immigrating here. Yeah, he was just going to continue it. Yes, um, I mean the fact that he has been silent on a team of Saudi nationals trying to orchestrate a terrorist attack that they were then going to film for propaganda purposes. I, I just, he's been silent, and it's, and now one of his cabinet appointments, the the reaction to that is a very Obama esque. Well, let's expand the program. That seems like a natural human reaction, right? To open your doors more to the very people that just killed you. And, and by the way, killed even more of you the last time you did this. This seems like a reasonable course of action if you're a progressive. And I'm just, this is another story that if, if this was done in the Obama years, it is all it, we wouldn't even be talking about it on our show because everybody else because everybody else would have talked about it already, and there would be nothing left to say. I, I, you know, my new buddy Jesse Kelly, whom I've never actually even met, tweeted something out today in response to I think it was in response to this story. He tweeted out today: Republicans in power is the best thing for Democrats because they they just give the leftists the policies they want, but they implement it and manage it at a pace that just seems more palatable as opposed to the frenetic you know, boot to the throat, um, you know, pace that leftists go with when they have power that freaks everybody out. And I saw that and I wrote back to him. I'm like that. You just summarized my show for the last 10 years. And in one tweet, this is an example of that. This is an Obama era esque response. 
I mean, the only thing left is we might as well, we, we should apologize now. The only thing that Obama would have done that, that the Trump administration has not done on this is Obama would apologize for the Americans getting in the way of the Saudi bullets. Okay. But that's maybe next week. Who knows? Okay. What is the circle game, Aaron? What, what is this? So it's a game I played. I was homeschooled and I knew about this game. It's a game where you hold out your your hands and yes media matters uh this is what it absolutely looks like i could use the publicity thank you uh it's a game where you put your fingers <laughs> we're like now this. baiting our own trolling i like yeah. it please troll me yes exactly okay um yeah this is a game where you put you make the okay sign and you try to get one of your buddies to look at the uh to look at the okay sign and if they do then you get to punch them now we also played a different version of this there's different you know different variations and iterations and things like that but that was the basic gist if you if one of your buddies and it had to be like below the waist or something if one of your buddies looked at this um and you saw them look at it you got to punch him all right so so my son is trying to get me to play this game and he does this to me noah does like almost every day uh-huh. and and i've been wondering what this is because when he when he gets me to look down he just kind of smiles and i'm like is there a punchline here and apparently there is a literal punchline here. And because I raised him the right way, he is smart enough to know that he should not uh, culminate this game with me because he may not like the way I will react, right? And so, it just, so he, just, he just tries to get me to look down at the okay sign. And then the game, then there's like this awkward pause. <laughs> and, like, and I'm like, is there a punchline? He just kind of smiles and walks away. And I've been wondering, what the heck is this thing? Okay? And so... This is this is now some kind of white power symbol. So there's a rumor, and I don't know if this is true or not, that some Reddit or 4chan forum as a prank just to troll leftists came out with this lengthy post about how this symbol is actually a symbol for white power. And that's where, and this is all a big hoax that leftists have fallen for now. There is a story on the Associated Press Wire today about how the U.S. military, again, under the, this is, this is, a, this is Obama level. Yeah. Uh, virtue signaling, by the way, that that uh, the U.S. military with Donald Trump as commander in chief is going to investigate these cadets mm-hmm. for uh, for racial animus for flashing this during the Army Navy game and the college game day broadcast on Saturday. Right. Yeah. I mean, I read the story. This, and if the AP has this, we've told you before, AP is the is the mouth of the river in American media. This is going to appear something like this is going to appear in hundreds of newspapers and their websites all over the country. That there's some kind of racial scandal going on at the U.S. Naval Academy, right? Yep. Yep. Todd, your thoughts on this? Can we start Christmas break now? There was a Cubs fan who got banned for life, yeah, I yeah. believe, earlier this year. That's right, I forgot year, about that. Who was doing that on, on live TV as well. This, our military needs to be battle ready under any commander in chief, you know. Snap of a finger, go into motion. It, you you can't. That can't simultaneously be true in taking things like this seriously. I can't. You just see at this point now that I mean, literally, the, the Muhammad hordes could begin invading, and our and our military's chief two concerns would be: a, please don't let this deter the way you feel about our Muslim outreach diversity program, mm-hmm. and then b going up and down the lines of troops to make sure no one is flashing a white 
power symbol hoax. And and, and you forgot lo- about free transgender yes, surgery yes. for all. And lo- yes, because if 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 some true if if some soldier tries to get his uh, his the trainee cadet next to him to look down at his okay sign, the whole defense of the realm is off. Um, and I'm only partially kidding, right? Right. That's my point. This is I don't. We have no idea as a people how close we are to just total total meltdown i mean the the military is is not any sort of last line defense in terms of freedom where that's it it's safely ensconced there and being preserved it's every bit as stupid as every place else this young turks guy what did he say by the way i don't i've never seen their show i don't know anything about this guy is it really bad stuff? Stuff you won't even repeat? What, uh, what, what did he say? I was Boy, wondering if it was really bad that you didn't even like put a clip of it uttering, in the montage. No, oh, no. It's just that this guy has been uttering nonsense. I mean, he's been on the internet now on YouTube. He's a leftist on YouTube. Yeah, I know who he is. I just don't know anything about their show. decades now. And so there's just a plethora of crap. And it's just, it would have been ridiculous to try to tr- choose just one. But he's, he's said tons of so, crap. So is this like really bad stuff, legit bad stuff? Stuff like normal people would even be offended by, or is it just their mobs are offended by it? Yes. Both? Both. Okay. All right. And, and then finally, um, I've got, um, I, I may need to reconsider my position on some of the, uh, some of the intolerance and oppressiveness that we were just discussing when it comes to that okay symbol based on the Ilan Omar video. Given her worldview... She is a subject matter on iniquity, a subject matter expert when it comes to iniquity. And I, I will certainly defer to her worldview on what actually does and does not oppress people. They're the experts. So you already know that losing your hair sucks, right? But what you may not know is the cause of your hair loss could be a hormone called DHT. And now let's talk about a possible solution. The FDA has approved two hair treatment products that help control your DHT to prevent hair loss. It's even triggered hair regrowth in a good percentage of guys as well. But up until now, these products were pretty expensive and required a doctor visit, but not anymore. Keeps offers the generic versions of those two FDA-approved hair products. So not only are they up to 90% effective, but now they're totally affordable. And we've got a special offer for you as well that you can use to take advantage of and save your hair without ever leaving your couch. Just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. And then it's shipped discreetly to your door. So if you're tired of losing your hair, We got you a free online doctor consult and 50% off your first order right now. That's right. A free online doctor consult and and 50% off your first order right now. When you go to keeps.com slash grow, 50% off your first order right now. But you have to go here to take advantage of that deal. Keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow. Our good friend Bob Vanderplatz is in here from the Family Leader. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good to be here. So we are. There's a topic you and I were discussing this morning that we are going to be discussing here on the show. Okay. And just so I, you know, I laughed out loud when I read that this morning. I just thought this is awesome. 
Yes. It's one of those things where it just kind of made my Monday morning. And at some point, we'll tell the audience what that topic is, but not quite yet. <laughs> All right. First of all, in a, in a moment, I'm going to show you a video. And I'm going to show this video to our audience. Okay. And you may think at first this video has nothing to do with the topic that you and I are going to be addressing, except it absolutely has everything to do with it. All right. Aaron, fire it up. All right. So gaze and feast your eyes upon this. All right. This is a recent city council meeting uh, and county meeting in Seattle and King County, Washington. This is a mentally ill male. Uh, This is a man identifying as a woman, so he's mentally ill. And he goes by a stripper named Beyonce Black St. James. And this is supposed to be a meeting about dealing with the, the homelessness problem in the city of Seattle. That, that's what this is supposed to be about. And instead, this mentally ill male stripper named Beyonce Black St. James was brought in to perform at an event that was supposed to be about curing the city and the county's homeless problem. We received this video courtesy of one of our, one of our followers, Christopher Rufo, uh, who is, in his bio, mentions, by the way, he's also a documentary filmmaker for PBS, and he's a, fe- he's, a, he's a fellow at the Center on Wealth and Poverty, and he sent this to us because um, wonder- he wanted this publicized because he wanted to know what in the Sam Hill does this have to do with addressing and curing the city and the county's problems out there with the homeless. And this is the follow-up tweet uh, that he put out after he tagged us in this video. As the video shows, the programming has nothing to do with helping people on the streets. It's about affirming a radical ideology that puts identity politics above real problems. And this, Bob, is why mm. when you sent me that tweet this morning, because I knew this, I had this video teed up for you this morning. Mm-hmm. I'd hit you over the head with it, okay? We, that's why I instantly reacted like that. I said, yeah, we're going to talk about what you tweeted <laughs> me this morning because it ties in perfectly with, sure this, with this video, all right? So there's a CNN story that, that you sent me this morning about uh, your friend, Mayor Pete, here in Iowa, Pete Buttigieg, right? And his Iowa caucus uh, campaign uh, here coming up on February the 3rd, right? Just give our audience kind of a summary of what this CNN story is about. Well, let me give you a little bit of a backdrop. Wasn't that long ago that Todd and I and you and Aaron talked about, uh, we thought Mayor Pete had a real shot at being the caucus winner. And then the poll numbers came out, which showed he was leading the caucus. Then we had a discussion about, did he peak too early? Can he sustain, can he sustain this now? Because there's going to be a lot more scrutiny on his campaign. And when, when I said I laughed out loud is because he presented at Grinnell College yesterday in Grinnell, Iowa. And Grinnell College, for your listeners who don't know anything about Grinnell College, it is the most woke college yes. of any college. Yes, in the state of Iowa, including the University of Iowa, it is the most woke. I, I believe. College. I believe you have to consent to forced gender reassignment surgery via draft lottery in order to in, on your application form and even in order to even be considered for acceptance there. And I remember several years back. I mean, one of the big celebrations at Grinnell was that they hired a president who was gay, married to a dude, and now that was going to be their president living in their presidential quarters. You know, right? It's a very, very woke college. So in other words, this should be his his name. This, crowd, this, right? This is a this is the softball. I'm right. teeing it up for you, right. and I'm going to knock it out of the park. And so Pete went there. I'm sure feeling like this was a perfectly 
fairly friendly crowd, only to get met with stuff like, he's a phony, hashtag never Pete. The progressives, the millennials, these college-age kids are saying, we will not go where you are because you're a phony. He's Me, the uncle. He's an Uncle Pat. He's he's the house homo, Uncle yeah. Pat, house homo, right? He can't be yeah. trusted. He'll he turn he'll he'll turn on yeah. his own. Is that what they're yeah. saying? Yes. So my my text to you was: This has never been about gay marriage. Ever has been about gay it marriage. Never was. No. The whole deal about gay marriage is that can we make the church and the culture go silent on yes. the on the morality of marriage? It's what it's what Todd's it's yeah. the word Todd like has brought back it, the old stained glass window word that Todd has spent this year trying to bring back into the twenty first century. It's iconoclasm. That's what it's about. It is about how many stained glass windows can I smash? It's about how many of your altars can I shake a fist at? Because the reality is Pete Buttigieg, if you want to know why he's doing well in Iowa, okay? This happened yesterday at our church, okay? Pete was at your church? No, he was not at our (laughs) church, all right? And, and, and I mean, I have... You know, the the church we go to, our pastor, it's not he's not very politically active at all, but every opportunity he has to inject anything about sexual ethics or morality, even in sermons that aren't even about that topic. I've seen him just almost awkwardly <laughs> insert it into sermons numerous times in the in the couple of years we've gone there. Okay. And and so um, a clip played at our church yesterday of a Chris. Him, he, his wife has just had cancer surgery, hmm, I didn't and know she's that. just out of the hospital. She's, okay. And she's got like a year of rehab to do. Like part of her hip had to be removed to get rid of this tumor, and so she's just now able to get out of the house. And so he's he's showing us, you know, in real time, he keeps us updated on how his wife is doing, and he's he's showing us in real time how they went driving around Des Moines looking at Christmas lights. Okay. And, and it's just a series of, of videos they took driving around Des Moines. And one of the houses they go to, which has a very traditional Christmas light display, okay, um, has a Mayor Pete sign in the yard. Mm. All right. And he's like, and, and, they, and, they, and he's like, not a political endorsement. We just liked their Christmas lights. Okay. Uh-huh. See, when, when they came, when the, when the Rainbow Jihad came to Iowa and brainwashed, and brainwashed our people, they convinced them that this was really about people like Pete Buttigieg. Just a normal looking guy, a guy you'd have no, you, you, you wouldn't be able to, if he stood next to you at a football game, no effeminate. He's not, you know, he's not marching, you know, with a, a pussy hat. Or you'd like a, to or, play around a golf with yep. them. You'd like to share the backyard yep. with he, them. He's not, he's not in your pride parade with a giant, uh, you know, a donging phallus dangling from his mouth. You know, like the videos we see, none of that. All right. And served his country. He's a, he's a war hero. He's from a, you know, a, a, a town, a backwater town in a, in a, in a deep red state. This was. This was the the what Iowans were sold when this was their beachhead. Okay, when they came here after Vernon versus Breen ten years ago, this is this is the fallacy that our that our people were sold. How okay? could such a stand up yep. guy be a threat to you? Yes, and so that's why when he, when when he shows up here, they're responding to him mm-hmm. because they were told ten years ago this is what they were getting with gay marriage. Is they were gonna they're gonna make a, a good just a good salt of the earth American like this have the same relationship with his spouse that you get to have with yours, right? Exactly. And so he shows up here, and so what's happening is the white White suburban family with the traditional Christmas light display has the Mayor Pete sign in their yard because they've been all worked. They were all worked over by this propaganda. But yet, when he shows up at the places that are going to really determine who, in, who wins this thing, 
Because every Grinnell College student is voting in the Iowa caucuses, folks. Times 10. 27 times, okay? <laughs> they're all voting, all right? 27 times, they're all voting, okay? When, when he shows up there where the, where the, where the Iowa caucuses are really going to be decided in the Democratic side, what ends up happening, okay? Yeah. He, what ends up happening is, is they let him know, dude, it's like, it's, it, we were just using you. You, you're not really what this is about, and we don't care about you. We, we don't care. The fact, and because you want to live a normal life, you just happen to enjoy gay sex. That's not good enough for us. You want to live a normal American life who ha- just while happening to enjoy gay sex while doing it. No, no, no. If you're, and now you're running ads about how we don't need to force people to have Medicare for all. You're running ads about how we don't need to impose the government's will on people. When we came out and said we wanted to get rid of, uh, we wanted to get rid of the tax exempt status for churches. The first Democrat to stand up and say, I'm not for that was Pete Buttigieg. He was the first one to oppose it. And that's why they're looking at him now. Like he's that, he's the house homo. He is the uncle Pat. Uh, of of the homosexual movement. This isn't this isn't about. It, it reminds me of conversations I used to have with J.C. Watts, where he's like, "If it wasn't for the civil rights movement, I'd have never gotten to be the quarterback at a place like the University of Oklahoma." But then once I got there and got my degree, and then I went and became successful, and I came back home. Suddenly, I was a traitor for actually doing and fulfilling what they told me I was supposed to do as a black man. Sure, right? that's that is what that is what's happening with these leftists, with Pete Buttigieg, they hate him because he wants to live, albeit with a more liberal policy bent than you and I would be for. Sure. But by and large, he wants to live your typical American life. He just wants to do it while having gay sex. And what they want him to be is a scud missile. All right, taking baseball bats to, to stained glass windows and, and glitter bombing the offices of the family leader. And since he's not doing that, Okay, a bunch of straight white kids at Grinnell College are going to tell him he's not gay enough for them. And what I, to me, the message they're sending to him is, don't you get this? The only reason we did this for you and for this thing called gay marriage is to make them shut up on their moral bias. Yes. And when, they, when we make them shut up on a thing like marriage, now it's all open field yes. to socialism. Yes. Health care for yes. all. Socialism. Green deal. Whatever it is that you want. We now get, but now this is how you treat us. We gave you the gay marriage card. Yes. And the reason that male stripper gets invited to the Seattle city council meeting on the homeless and Pete Buttigieg does not is because he will defecate on that, which is sacred. And that's what they want. They don't care. They're not meeting there for the homeless man. They're not, they don't care about the homeless at all. What they care about is smashing your stained glass windows and getting rid and burning down the Notre Dame Cathedral so they can put an altar to the goddess of reason and science in there. That's what they care about. And, and, and that's what, I, what this was about all along. And what I love, matter of fact, if your audience should read this CNN story. I usually don't say that, but they should read this CNN story. <laughs> because one of the interviewers, uh, or one of the people being interviewed by CNN about why such hostility towards Pete she made a comment, and, and they actually yelled at him, you're killing us. I mean, the honesty. Yes. You are killing us. I mean, you're killing our movement. You're killing our right. And You know, well, how is he killing it? He's killing it because he's, he's attempting to find a way where people of differences, albeit still with far more government coercion than we would support, but he is, he's, he's attempting to find a way where people of systemic differences could actually 
share a, a country together and they don't have any intention of sharing this with you they're they're the tanks of the of Tiananmen Square they're here to run over and through you that's what they're here for and so from a person of faith and remember Pete claims to be a person of faith what he's really doing is like come now let us reason together right okay and they're going Heck no. There's no reasoning what here. What is this reason of which you speak? You, you are killing us. And so Pete responds back. This is where I laughed out loud about, that's a little dramatic, don't you think, that I'm killing you? And then they go on to say to the CNN reporter, he's condescending. Basically, he's throwing us under the bus. He's, he doesn't give us credit. He doesn't give us voice. So to me, when they started with the hashtag never Pete, I thought, oh, my goodness. Have we talked about this before? They will hang their own. We will hang our own. Yep. But you're watching it right here. And so I just kind of sat back. So I want to watch this play out. This isn't even isolated. Out Magazine, for the because he rang bells for the Salvation Army. You had bet. a big feature about this a few weeks ago. There's been all kinds of these kinds Hashtag of never Pete is trending, guys. Yeah. It, it's a trending movement right now. I'm here. This is this is the content I am here for. Is for this, Todd. I've got to get your your, your comment on this. Just sitting listening, to Bob and I go back and forth on this. See, and Pete couldn't hope for a better state than oh. Iowa to kick off his per, uh, what what he need the momentum he needs next. Because listen, as as woke as Grinnell is, it it does not embody. The left, the progressive left of Iowa. So they, there's more of the people who would want to put their stamp on, and these are the people I've been talking all along, who want this because this is what they've convinced themselves is the future, Christians and non-Christians. And there's more of them than the people at Grinnell College. And if they can push him over the top, then the woke brigade nationwide is in a tough choice. Are we mad enough that we stay home? I mean, they're in the position that a lot of Republicans think they are, whether they really are or not. Do we stay at home? And let Trump win, or do we get behind a guy that we don't think is, you know, is is basically Uncle Tomming, um, and just kind of swallow our pride, which they're not good at at all? I mean, honestly, Mayor Pete is tailor made for the state of Iowa caucuses. And I think what you're seeing, you're seeing another Iowan by the name of Zach Walls, who I tweeted at the time that was a major loss for Mayor Pete not to get his endorsement because Zach Walls went with Elizabeth Warren. As the Elizabeth Warren tell crowd, our, tell our audience why he matters. Well, to you. Zach Walls is—he's a young man. He's now a state representative, I believe, mm-hmm. in the state of yep. Iowa. His mom is married to another woman, and so Zach grew up in that household. He's all in for gay marriage. He used to testify at the state house in defense of this, big time. Yeah. So when Mayor Pete did not get Zach Walls, that's a major loss, and he went with Elizabeth Warren. It's the Elizabeth Warren crowd. It's the Bernie Sanders crowd who is going completely unclutched, unearthed at Mayor Pete, saying he is a phony. It's, you see, he's going to get it. He's getting it from another side too, because the the recent polling. Um, I mean, he's in the low single digits with black and brown college students nationally. Yeah, we talked about that. Okay, before, last yep. time you were here, and and there was just another poll that came out uh, a few days ago um, that of uh, black voters in the early in early states. He, I mean, you might have more support. Seriously, you might get more votes if if they just if it was just black people voting in the early states. Uh, in the Democratic uh, presidential primary, but, you but, might get more but, votes. But the than, numbers than that came people. out today was on millennials, yeah. and this guy's the youngest candidate, yeah. like ever. And he's not doing good. He's and not doing millennials are killing him. It's so. It's so. You know what's funny is, 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 is there's a clip now. SNL. We were we've been kidding around about how the left is 
is dancing around this whole issue with pretending not to all these people pretending not to know, um, you know, including black people on CNN pretending not to know why black people don't want to vote for Mayor Pete. Okay, I I guess SNL was panning this (laughs) over the weekend. Somebody sent me the clip. I haven't watched it yet, but it's uh, it it pointing out that uh, they were pointing out how Mayor Pete's not going to get any black voters and what a waste of time this is. Well, one of the key lines, Steve, that you came up with in our 2010 campaign to unseat three judges on this issue, the marriage issue, was you will be made to care. And you've continued that line a lot. You'll be forced. Yeah, remember, you're, I got to give credit. It's Eric Erickson's yeah. line. I just lifted it. But, but you'll be yes. made to care. You'll be forced to care. And what they're doing is they're, they're letting everybody know. Uh, woke isn't woke enough. This you is, need to be. We are yes. we are transforming this country into something that you will never recognize when we yes. get done. It's, it's why the president whose daughter converted to Judaism is an anti-Semite. It's it's why a guy that, that has a show here on, on Blaze TV with us, like a Dave Rubin, who's openly gay. It's why he is called a homophobe every day by people who have never had any gay sex. Sure. Okay. And it's it's why a guy like a John Miller, who's black, who does our White House briefing here at Blaze TV, he gets called a racist by people who don't understand going in that he's actually black because this is about the identity politics. And the identity politics is really about is, is really about replacing your altars with their shibboleths. That's what this is about. It is about the deconstruction of Western civilization. It was never about any of the other talking points. No one was in a jail cell for violating any sodomy laws or marrying their gay partner in some kind of ceremony. No one was in jail for any of that before any of this. This was all about bringing the coercive fist of government to your throat. That's what it was about. And that's what it's going to be about to the very end. And I am here for the exposing of this. So go, Mayor Pete, go. Bob, good to see you, man. Merry Christmas. Good to see you. God bless, guys. We'll come back with our Monday Town Hall. We'll turn it over with our social media audience. They have a chance to ask me anything when we come back. with our number two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast i'm steve dace todd erzin and aaron mcintyre are here as well if you'd like to join us steve at stevedace.com you couldn't have looked even you couldn't have looked happier right there when aaron went to you thrilled i mean you you, you just looked enthralled to be here i am and your energy your energy aaron i I think i speak for you his energy is contagious i'm we just got done bottom lining the iowa caucuses i mean that was that was a thrill I thought you were going to say we just got done bottom lining Mayor Pete's campaign, and I was. So we're doing this again. It's, uh, it's Todd exclamation point today on the Steve Day Show. Todd couldn't be happier to be here. Really, he's beside himself. It's Star right Wars now. week. That's got me a little melancholy. President Trump just tweeted, "Low energy Todd is a disgrace <laughs> to the Steve Day yes. Show." Yes, that would be outstanding. Yes. Sad. Steve, Steve, Steve at stevedays.com is how you can email us. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. It is time for the Monday Town Hall, brought to you by Express VPN. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? Maybe you didn't know this. Uh, it's uh, taking watching your TV to the next level because you can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Over the weekend, Express VPN, uh, it's so simple. You can just fire it up, change your location, ref- refresh Netflix, 
And there you go. By the way, you can also use it for the traditional way you want to use ExpressVPN to hide your IP address and let you control uh, where you want sites to think you're located. And you can choose from almost 100 different countries. And this is an excellent way to stop hackers and coercive uh, powers within the so-called deep state from following you and tracking you, all right? So if you want to give ExpressVPN a shot, it is compatible with all of your devices, uh, your phones, your media consoles, smart TVs, and more. I'm using ExpressVPN on my laptop right now here in the office. I use it every single day. So you can watch what you want to watch on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are, and you can stop your government and others from tracking you at the same time as well. All right. So use expressvpn.com slash Steve right now uh, to get signed up. Expressvpn.com slash Steve. And you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free when you do that. So support the show. Watch what you want. Go where you want online without being tracked and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Steve. Expressvpn.com slash Steve. It's the final Monday town hall of the year. And we had so much fun with this about a month or so ago. I thought, let's do it one more time. So we're going to turn this over to the social media audience. We asked those of you, the few, the proud, those of you that made it through the shadow ban of this program on Facebook to actually be able to interact with us there. To post questions, you can ask me anything. I've not looked at any of these questions at all. Todd, I'm allowing you to determine the questions that we're going to be answering. You've fed them over to Aaron, correct? I have. All right. Are we ready to go? Yep. Yes. All right, let's do this, Aaron. All right, Dennis Keyes starts us off. How much evil are we required to take? As much as you are willing to tolerate. That's the answer. As much as you are willing to tolerate. That's how much you have to take. In my opinion, this is my own exegetical analysis and opinion. So take it for what it's worth. Um, but if you believe in the sovereignty of God, then one of the questions that people often challenge us with, well, why would a sovereign God allow blank? Why would he allow blank? Well, you have to account for the responsibility of man in that equation, right? Because the same people that, that, that proffer such questions, and, and when I was on that side of the spiritual divide, I did it too. The same people that, that proffer such questions also want to be free to do whatever they want to do, right? They don't want to be considered automatons. They want to be considered pawns on a chessboard. So on one hand, you want the freedom to choose your own fate. And then on the other hand, when you act on that and, and it blows up in your face, you then want to blame God for letting you have the freedom that you demanded of him. So heads I win, tails you lose. That's really what your argument is. I get my way. But if it doesn't work out, someone else is to blame. Yeah, that's, that is pretty much the, the spirit of the age in which we live. That's the zeitgeist of our era. But in any era, um, you, have as, you have to take as much evil as you are willing to tolerate. A great example of this is what's going on with Hallmark right now. So originally those ads were pulled because over a million moms lost their damn minds about they're trying to you know get their their Christmas romantic movie binge on and you know, they're here for the, they're here so that the guy who looks like the soap opera matinee star that they've always wanted lands the somewhat better than average looking movie starlet 
so they can all put themselves in her shoes and live out vicariously. That's why they're watching, right? Pretty much, right? I think that's fair. Is that fair? Okay. That's why you're watching. And in the midst of this, you got to watch two women, and that's not typically what a lesbian wedding looks like, by the way. Okay. God. All right. Um, that looks like Breaking. An Avon, that looks like an Avon catalog. No one's wearing flannel for one. All right. But um, that's typically not what a lesbian wedding looks like. Okay. But uh, you've got to watch these two chicks get married while you're living out your romantic fantasy vicariously. And and a bunch of moms are like, hell no, I'm not doing this and complain. And so that's why Hallmark pulled the ads. But then the Rainbow Jihad uh, lost it, which is substantially smaller than all those moms, by the way, uh, lost its mind and Hallmark buckled. So they, they buckled to the backlash and then to the backlash to the backlash. Okay. And, and now the question becomes, what will all those moms do? When, when, when next Christmas, you know, uh, it, Pat meets Pat is next, is next year's number one, uh, is, the, is next year's debut film on the Hallmark Channel. What will all those moms that were upset about just a mere commercial do about a full two hours of this? Ultimately, you have as much evil, you'll take it as much as you're willing to tolerate it. Why do we keep seeing men take opportunities away from our daughters in, in, in high school sporting events? Because their ballist dads sit there applauding like clapping seals. Or they just sit on their hands and just, you know, mumble under their breaths while they're checking their Facebook page instead. That's why. That's why. You have as, you'll take as much evil as you are willing to tolerate. That is the answer. Next question. Can I comment on that really Absolutely quick? Absolutely, because yeah. I, I chose this. I, I just loved how it seemed like this is a guy who needed to get this very tightly written question off his chest because it speaks to so much. But also, I happened to watch the last episode last night with my wife of the second season of Yellowstone. And I'm not going it, to, it's, it's been fantastic, a, a study of the human condition. But this what amounts to the the family the main family ultimately has uh one of the bad guys and they're all bad on some level uh but he has them dead to rights like literally and he he tells him did you really think we wouldn't fight back and the bad guy who's now he's gotten but his one of his last words yes well he says (laughs) he he kind of he's laughing and he says no one ever fights back. I was just like, yeah. I, blow, I said, yeah, I said it out loud. And my wife's like, what, what? I said, that's exactly right. That's how they get away with everything. And that's what this, this guy is talking about. Where is the here and no further? When will it come? I'm yep. dying to participate. Yes. Yeah. And today, I believe, isn't it the anniversary of the Boston Tea Party today? I believe it is. I believe today is the anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. So... You live in a country founded by people. They took it for a long time, too. I, we have this romantic notion. That's why I'm not big into I'm, I'm not big into either nostalgia or deconstructionism. Now, if you give me a choice between nostalgia and deconstructionism, I'll take the nostalgia, okay? Because at least it edifies on some level. But I'm not a big fan of either. To me, the truth is its own reward. I'm just perfectly okay with the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't need you to either romanticize something or stigmatize it for me. Just, just tell me the truth. And they didn't just start this. Yeah, Colonial America starts in 1620. Yeah. The Boston they, they, Tea Party is in 1775. 
1775? Uh, four, I was going to say. I was going to okay. say four. So they, they took this for years. They took it for years, man. 73. 73, okay. even, even earlier. So think about that. We have this idea that they just tipped the tea into the harbor and then just marched over to, you know, to Freedom Hall in Philadelphia from Boston, you know, while they, while they were all worked up and just went ahead and made the Declaration of Independence thing just all just kind of happened or three years from 1773 to 1776, three years, three years. And that was even a long time. That was, I would argue that was a longer time back then. Lifespans were shorter. They didn't have constant distractions, football season, Christmas shopping, all the stuff that we have all the time that just makes the days feel like, you know, they're they're minutes. They didn't have any of that, man. And for three years is how long it took them from from the moment they threw the tea into the harbor to declare their independence. So we have this notion that this was some superhuman generation. No, it wasn't. It was just a generation. Now, it had some advantages over ours. They weren't as worked over by postmodernism as we are, for example. The stuff that's in in our water table, they didn't have. But they were just as wrought with human nature as as we are, which is why after Thomas Jefferson wrote the words, all men are created equally, went home and treated some men unequally on his own ranch, on his own plantation. They're just humans. They're not superhuman you know, don't 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 go to the church of the rainbow and don't go to the church of the founding fathers either. Just go to the church. That's that the truth is good enough. They took it for a long time too. And then finally, when there was no other recourse other than insurrection, that's when they finally made their ultimate stand. And so we don't we have courtesy of them. We have freedoms. We don't have to have it get to that point. But if we don't, the time, the window, I don't know where it's at. I don't know if it's here or here. I just know wherever it was, I know what direction it's going. It's closing. We can all debate how fast it's closing, how closed it is. I don't think it's debatable, though, that the, that it's closing. See where I'm going with that? Yeah. The window is closing for us to deal with this reasonably. And somewhat peaceably before you're put in a position where it's give us everything you own and your kids or else. And then you're left with no other recourse then but to do things that I don't think any of us want to have to be able to do. We had a good thing going here in this country called the US of A. But ultimately, we're not a nation of laws and we never have been. We are a nation of political will and we always will be. We don't have the political will. We don't. And that's where we're at. We don't have the political will. I mean, this, the, the president beat this impeachment three weeks ago. But him and his most staunch defenders and supporters and conservative media will still be doing impeachment porn all over the holidays instead of why are we expanding the Saudi uh, military exchange program after some of their people killed our people, right? That, that's, what we, that's the stuff we should be doing, but we won't. So, inevitably, we always have a choice to make. I prefer fighting back when I think I have the advantage or a relatively decent uh, you know, percentage of success. 
I, I was raised with a bully. I, I know what it feels like to be cornered. I was cornered quite a bit growing up. It sucks. It's much more fun to fight back when you have the high ground, Anakin. All right? So I, 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 that's why we do this. That's one of the reasons why we do this show when it comes to politics the way that we do it. It's because we believe there's a cold civil war and we don't want to see it become a hot one. That's why. Next question, Aaron. Russ Helper says, what was your favorite Christmas gift of all time? My favorite Christmas gift of all time. Um, boy, there, I can think of several right now that immediately. You and I share the same one in terms of how it just embodies Christmas. And those were the Star Wars toys that. Yes. Your Millennium Falcon. Yeah, Christmas, I'll never, yeah. I'll never forget Christmas 1978 because it had to be a year later. Because Ken Moore put out the ad in 1977 and had no idea how many people were going to want to buy this. They couldn't fulfill these orders. And they had to give people literal yeah. IOUs, right? So it was Christmas 1978, and my grandma Myrna bought me the entire in Kenmore Star Wars collection, the Death Star, the Speeder, the Millennium Falcon, the yeah. whole thing that was in the Sears catalog that year. X-Wing fighter, man. Yeah, that, I don't think I left, except to go to school, I don't know that I left my bedroom that winter. I mean, my, my, my friends were over all the time. We just played those things into the ground, you know? Um, I remember the, um, when I got an NES, that was a big deal. Because I was the first, my, I was the first kid. That was weird. That was, that's what was weird about my upbringing is I was pretty spoiled at times too. You know, I've talked before, we had a lot of ups and downs. And so when Dave would feel like he had to, you know, make up for stuff, man, he'd go way overboard. So I like went to like every amusement park in America that ever mattered. I've been to like all of them. Well, at least all the ones that mattered up until about 1989 when, you know, when I was that era. Okay. I went to all of them, uh, at least once, sometimes multiple times. Um, I was the first kid to get the NES when it first came out. I remember that. You know, and how impressed all my friends were to come over and play that. You know, and I got a ton of games. You know, double dribble with a with a guy for Boston who always made the three point shot from the corner. If you just dribbled over there, you made you made it every single time. Remember that? I do. Yeah. So I got that. Um, that's another gift that uh, I remember very well. Same too. Super Nintendo it was huge. Yep. So those would be the the first two that I would, um, I would probably uh, put on my list and. My in-laws spoil me, man, for Christmas. Amy's their only child, and they, were, they weren't able to have any more, and, uh, and Bob always wanted a son. Plus, I'm a huge Michigan fan, and so are they. That's where they're all from, and a lot of their family went to Michigan. So I've always been spoiled with a lot of ton of great Michigan stuff, and, and I've gotten so much out of it, I can't even think of like one thing that it rises above the rest. Maybe, you know what? Here's what I'll think of. Um, they they bought me this was before a lot of this youtube and this stuff was made this stuff easily accessible you can, everybody can watch it now they bought me a custom dvd copy of the 1981 rose bowl uh first time Beckler ever won the rose bowl with the commercials and the original nbc broadcast with uh dick enberg and merlin olson and they bought that for me like 10 years ago for Christmas before. Now you can watch all this stuff on YouTube whenever you want. But 10 years ago, that DVD to me, I, I probably watched that a hundred times. Okay. So that would rank up there. And now for me as a parent, you know, it's, 
I don't, I don't want to be a Hallmark card myself, but as, as a parent now, it's really about how cool it is to give the gifts now and to see the looks on your kids' faces than the stuff that you get. Yeah, the I actually the Rose Bowl itself was one in college was one of my well it was my Christmas present. Uh, the uh, you got to go Daryl yeah yeah and nice. Scott Barry Alvarez ninety four got him there. Um, so yeah, and uh, so Darryl the first Bevel, time with like Brett Moss and that team. Yes, that yeah. team I was there, so that's outstanding. Daryl Bevel nice. was the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Constantinos Roditis asks if you were able to get rid of the sixteenth or seventeenth amendment to the Constitution, which one would it be? I believe the 16th would have the most dramatic affect on reducing the size and scope of the federal government and moving more power back to the states, even over the 17th, because he who has the gold makes the rules. What are your thoughts? Agreed. Now, the 17th Amendment, for those of you that don't know, 16th, a lot of us know off the top of our heads because, you know, uh, this is conservative media. That's 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 where the income tax comes from. OK, the 17th Amendment is the uh, removal of your U.S. senators being selected in legislatures and have them instead selected by popular vote. I believe that's right. Is that true? Okay. Yep. <clears throat> Pardon me. I want to make sure my memory was right on that. So uh, there's no question the 17th Amendment has led to a mass growth of government. Um, and, and I know it seems counterintuitive because you would think, well, aren't these senators more accountable? Well, the reason they were given six-year terms they were given six-year terms. They're, they're, it is supposed to be a Republican, small r, small r, Republican version of a House of Lords and a House of Commons. All right, that, that's kind of where our founders borrowed this from, but for a Republican constitutional form of government. And so the Senate was given six-year terms so that it would slow the passions of the people if they swayed radically one way or the other but to avoid elitism from setting in. They were given a, a form of direct competition from their own legislatures. Why, what do I mean by that? Because most people, when they get elected to a state legislature, when they run, it's not with the intent of being in a state legislature for five, 10, or 20 years. It's with the intent of moving on up to the east side in a deluxe apartment in the sky, I, I, okay? It's a stepping stone. Most people don't, you know, it's a thankless job. Most of your state legislators are not paid very well. And yeah, they get some steak and martini lunches from the lobbyists, but it's nothing compared to what awaits them if they get to Washington, D.C., <laughs> where you get wealthy while in office, see Mitch McConnell, see Bernie Sanders in his three homes, okay? So one of the reasons that they gave direct accountability for your senators. So on one hand, they set them up so they could, they could not have to, by giving them six year terms, if somebody needed to pump the brakes on something, they felt freer to do that. Okay. Cause again, they didn't trust human nature guys. So they wanted tension all the time. So the house was only given two year terms. So they're, they're constantly having to respond to the pressures of the people constantly. Their house members are never off of campaigning. They're campaigning constantly. They're never out of a campaign mode. The senators, though, were given a six-year term so that they could say, yeah, let's, let, let's see this from the other side. Do we really want to, you know, that's where the passions are now. But will the passion still be there six months from now? Well, when you have a six-year term, you can ask yourself a question like that. When you've got a two-year term, you can't worry about six months from now. You're in the NFL, which stands for not for long. Okay? <laughs> You're constantly under the scrutiny of the voters. But to avoid elitism, 
from coming in. They gave him a direct accountability mechanism in terms of competition, meaning the state legislatures like the AAA franchise, the farm team. Guys, guys don't want to don't want to. Nobody wants the record of of setting having the most home runs in the history of 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 AAA baseball. Kevin Costner, all right. Nobody wants that record. Everybody everybody wants to be in the major leagues, and so by putting them directly accountable to state legislators, who are then directly accountable to the people on short terms, this was a way now to force the senators instead of having elitism. Now though. They're always looking over their shoulder. Somebody's always coming up and saying, you know, if you're not going to do what the people want to do. Yeah, okay, you looked at it. If you're still going to sit on your hands here, I'm running for your seat next time. And and while you were in Washington being a senator, I was here in the state legislature that's going to decide your fate, building relationships and a coalition. You can't, you can't win this election over me here. I'm going to beat you. And that competition kept people honest. So that's why there's a there's been an, a massive explosion explosion of government since the 17th amendment. But there's a reason why the 16th had to come first. Because if you didn't give the federal government the power to install a progressive income tax, you'd still have you still would have seen more government, but the vast majority of what we're dealing with would simply not exist. It cannot exist in an open market. The, the reason why Hallmark is now thinking of doing rainbow Christmas movies is because there's, there's pressure, but not from a market. There's no market demanding this. Nobody wants to watch this. Nobody cares. But organizations that are largely funded by you as a taxpayer, they care. And so they get to apply pressure with their social media minions, where if they had to just do this being totally defunded on the open market, they couldn't come up with the money they needed and the pressure they needed. They couldn't survive on their own. They couldn't do it. So the 16th Amendment to me is the hydra and the head of the snake all in one. So I'm absolutely going with that one. Angela Rich asks, as someone who has only seen the first three Star Wars, which other movies in the saga are a must-see and which ones, if any, should be skipped? I assume she means Star Wars Empire and Return is Four, the first five, three. Four, five, six. Okay. That's what I would hope then, so. Yeah. You know what? I think you can. You just need to watch Revenge of the Sith would be yep. my suggestion. Yep. And I just, you know, Noah and I are going through all of them right now, getting ready for go see the first screening of Episode Nine at the uh, big IMAX here in town. We're going on Thursday night. He's got a basketball game, so we're like leaving right after his game to get over there. And uh, and we've got we've got our tickets and everything though already, so that's cool. And this one has a signed seat, so that means it won't be as nerve wracking. But you know, to get ready for this, we're watching them all now, just to get back up to speed. And I hadn't watched episode three in several years, probably since the last time we did this before you know the Force Awakens, so 2015. There's actually some, and maybe I'm I'm. I'm in a vulnerable place because I just watched episodes one and two again, particularly episode one. And I'm, I still could, was marveling at how terrible of a movie this is, how poorly made it is. There's some really good stuff in episode three. That opening sequence there in episode three, except for the odd cutaways to Palpatine going, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that, that is. I, mean, I, I don't know why we needed to see that or I don't know if he was farting. I, I, you know, I don't know what that was. Okay. But except for that, there is that opening five, 10 minutes of episode three is pretty dope, man. Yes, it is. I mean, when, oh. when, when R2 goes savage, when he unleashes the, the oil and his innards and then start and lights up the, uh, 
the, the battle droids on fire, dude. Okay. The banter back and forth. Hayden Christensen comes perilously close to like acting, you know, the banter back and forth between him and you. I mean, you and McGregor are such a better actor than he is that it's noticeable, but Hayden Christensen almost, almost acts a few times there. Okay. That scene where he, where Hayden, where Anakin goes to visit Palpatine in his, uh, um, uh, in his, uh, clubhouse seating there mm-hmm. at their version of the opera and when they go back and forth that's one of the best scenes of any star wars movie that scene right there it's so well done so well written now the ending is rushed you know it felt like there should have been more of a grand entrance for darth vader you know for his debut this this is the rogue one that last third of that movie should have been darth vader doing darth vader things. yes yeah instead we got it in rogue one and i just watched rogue one again that's the only movie that's, you need to watch. That's a great movie. It's it's, it's great. It's a legitimately great movie. I I could you could you if you wanted to tell me it was second only to Empire, which I just watched again last night, and it's a magnum opus, man. I mean, it is so flawlessly written, so flawless. The movie has no weakness. I mean, it's it's the gone with the freaking wind of science fiction movies. It it has no weakness. Like they every film school in America how to make a science fiction movie. And it's just the empire strikes back. I mean, it's the special effects still largely hold up today. I mean, it is the acting is so well done. The chemistry, the maybe the best line in the whole film, other than I am your father was actually ad libbed. Yep. Did you know that I do. when Han Solo looks at me, she says, I love you. And he goes, I know. And Lucas loved it so much. He left it in the movie. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's perfection. That film is one of the greatest, scenes in all of movie history for me i still remember the feeling of it when uh uh lando is walking with them and i've said i've just made arrangements and the door opens and vader's there and the blaster comes out and he blocks it with his hand i was just like what yeah yeah i mean that that movie is insanely good yeah okay but if, if if you only need to watch one more i would say revenge of the sith would be the one there's there's times revenge of the sith comes into that I wouldn't say into that, maybe in that neighborhood, but not like in in the space. You know what I'm saying? But there's a couple of times where Revenge of the Sith flirts with almost being that good, and then you wonder how did he, how did he get so much of this right and screw up so much of the first two movies? I, it, it, we'll never get answers to those questions, probably. But I would say Revenge of the Sith. You guys okay with that answer? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Just watch that. Uh, would have been last last weekend as well, and it's just it's insane. Um, going, to, uh, you know, watching the first two movies and then that one, it's like what what happened here? You know, um, I, I I still contend that there are scenes scenes, not necessarily uh, story you know story elements in the first movie, Star Wars Episode One, the uh, Phantom Menace, yep. that are that are striking and really cool. But the movie itself, the plot, the acting is just, it's, it's distracting. It's distracting. And that's, uh, that's a damn shame. You know, you, you really get an appreciation for how good Rogue One is when you watch Star Wars A New Hope right after watching Rogue One. And you see how well they did making it look like it was right in that era, despite yeah. the better filming technology yeah. we have today. I mean, that Rogue One is really, really well done. And that closing scene with Darth Vader... I still think it is the greatest scene in any Star Wars movie ever. More in a moment.
If you've been on the fence, now's a great time to try us out here on Blaze TV. Just in time for Christmas, a special offer and discount for you. When you go to blazetv.com slash dace, blazetv.com slash dace, you can sign up right there and get 30-day risk-free trial for you with a special $20 off an annual subscription if you choose to stick around. So can't make it easier for you than that. 30 days to try it for free. See if you like it. And then if you do, we'll let you stick around on an annual basis for $20 off the price of an annual subscription here to Blaze TV. But you've got to use the promo code STEVE20OFF. All one word, STEVE20OFF at blazetv.com slash dace. blazetv.com slash dace, STEVE20OFF to take advantage of this special Christmas time offer here at Blaze TV. Let's get back to our Monday town hall. And this week, we're doing another version of Ask Me Anything from our social media audience. Aaron, you've got the next question. These are questions that you picked, by the way, Todd. I didn't pick these. I wanted to make sure we repeated that. Jim Stocker says, I'd like to get your recommendations on a good book or source on the history of the church. Boy, that's a great question. Um, because for me, I've probably called it from numerous different sources and source materials over the years. A lot of different research on church history over the years. Um, and this might be where I might defer to my Catholic friend here to see if, could you recommend one particular tome about church history? Like, we, you know, I just thought of one I could recommend. I'll give, so I'll give you a minute to think of one, if you can come up with one. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, let me look up the name of the book. It's, it's, it's the uh, 100 most important books, I think is what it's called, um, in Christian history, I want to say. And I think I have a copy of this book in my library at home. Um, There's one book that I'm trying, I've been trying for the last 10 minutes to try to find that I... It was a textbook in, oh, it's in this college. Book. Okay, it's this book. I, yeah. it, it's actually the 100 most important events in Christian history I would recommend. I've got this in my library at my home. Uh, the 100 most important events in Christian history. And you can get it at Amazon right now. The paperback is nine bucks. Um, and the hardcover is only 13. So uh, I've read this book. I'd highly recommend it. As a, Now, understand that this is a, this is a beginner level. Okay, I mean, I wouldn't like end my church history study here, but it's an excellent place to begin this. Okay, it's called, and the book's about 20 years old now. So you won't be biased by any, there won't be a lot of recency bias in this book now because it was published originally in 1998. So the the 100 most important events in Christian history is a book I would recommend. And I've read it and it's in my library at my house. Do you have something you want to recommend? Well, from a... Catholic perspective, and it's unapologetically Catholic. So if you're not Catholic, you will disagree with things in it, but it reads like almost, if you can make church history be like swashbuckling and with the pace of Indiana Jones or something like that, it's a book called Triumph. Um, and I think you'll find it a lot of, of, of fun and a point of departure to go in any number of directions you want to, just like Steve said. I think I am pretty sure. So I took a, a class in college, and this was... In my opinion, honestly, 
this is this is a better way to learn theology. Learning the history of the church is a better way to learn your systematic theology than actually taking a course on systematic theology, because then you understand the background of where all of these notions and traditions and right. heresies come from. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was Alistair McGrath's historical theology. It's a textbook. I think that's the one that one of the mm-hmm. ones that we used. Huh? Um, I'm gonna Al- look that up. Alistair McGrath uh, wrote the the biography on one of one of many biographies, but a pretty well biogra- well known biography on uh, C.S. Lewis as well. Okay. So uh, that's that's one that I, I, I'm i pretty sure I can recommend. Do me a favor, text that to me later. Yeah. I, I might, I'm going to add that to my reading list. You yeah. bet. Thank you. Um, all right. The next one is from Dennis McCullough, who has two questions. How likely is it that the Republicans in the Senate betray us and remove Trump? 0.0, because the Democrat case is so bad. They don't have one. And I find it ironic that the trending impeachment story today is they're trying to make, they're trying to pressure Justin Amash to being the impeachment manager in the House. So do you remember, like, we all, like, studied his points and we did, like, an hour on the show breaking him down, right? Yeah. Because, you know, at least he was trying to, at least he was serious. I, I think when I went through his points, I don't know what you guys thought at the time. I think there was one. Yeah, you found one of like I found seven one, or eight. Of one them. out of the yeah. seven or however, however many points he had that I could not. And it's I'm not trying to explain it away. I'm 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 trying to say, hey, does is, is there an alternative explanation to this other than a move that of of historical radical importance impeaching a president? Mm-hmm. And the one that I couldn't come up with a benign explanation for is why you would direct people to lie to Congress. That that to me seems you either you did it or you did not kind of a thing, right? Right. And the, but the rest of them, I thought we could come up with a but if if we were in the Trump White House, could we come up with a benign explanation? Uh, you know, alternative view of, of of that event. The one I don't think there's an alternative view for is did you dis- instruct your people to lie under oath to Congress or not? Right. So. If they wanted Justin Amash's help, he laid, I, I think he probably laid that out for them to give them a roadmap of where to go with this. They, they, and that was all based off of what was in the Mueller report. We're, we're, do you remember the Mueller report when that came out 10 years ago? <laughs> we're not even addressing any of that stuff right now. We're, this is all about a 27-minute phone call to the Ukraine uh, that most of the people, I think only one person who's testified was on the call. So... I mean, they missed their window to have a Justin Amash be their ghetto pass here. They missed their window to give the Mitt Romney, Lamar Alexander types just, you know, a a safe space to do what they really want to do, which is stick a middle finger up at all of you that voted this guy into office. That's what they really want to do. They, They had the roadmap. I think Justin Amash provided it for them. They disregarded all of that and went with this sham instead. So 0.0, I think, is the answer. Anybody disagree? No. All right, what's the second question? All right, more importantly for all of you, my family, while I was growing up, would always play poker with their Christmas money at our family Christmas gatherings. <laughs> Do you have any odd traditions for Christmas? I like that. Um for our family, we um we we typically do Thanksgiving in our home and Amy's parents come to our place and then we go over there for Christmas. And I mean, their parents go all out with the Amy's parents go all out with the sweets and the gifts. So we do that. Usually, you know, eat ourselves into a sugar coma, pass out. Amy wakes me up like three hours later and says, all right, it's time to go home. <laughs> um, we like to, we, we uh, the church we go to now has a Christmas Eve candlelight service. And we always wanted to go to one. So we went to it for the first time uh, in 2017. 
And I think that's going to be probably an annual thing. Everybody asks, hey, can we do that again? So that's part of our Christmas tradition now is to do that. So we go to a, it's 11 p.m., not quite a midnight mass. So it's an 11 p.m. evangelical service that ends at like almost exactly midnight, you know, right at Christmas Eve. So that's that's always part of our thing. Um, you know, Christmas gifts in the morning and, and, and around the tree, and we always film that with us and the kids alone. Um, but none of those things I don't think are weird. Um, we used to go, we used to go to the movies or bowling when I was a kid. I always thought that was fun. Do you guys find that weird though? Not really. No, we went to movies when I was an older kid. Once we were kind of into me and my brother and my sister reached late middle school to high school, then yeah, Yeah. that kicked in and you weren't sitting around playing with your toys all day long. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll, we will watch, you know, um, we're, we have a family movie night tradition and in December you have to pick a Christmas movie and our oldest Anna has dibs on elf. She would pick elf for her turn at movie night all year long, but we had to make a rule that it was only once a year. Otherwise she would get ruined. Okay. It's like her all time favorite movie. Um, that and meet me in St. Louis are probably her all time favorite movie. So elf, she was her turn. We just watched that the other night. Um, Noah will pick a Christmas story with Ralphie cause that's his pick every year. And I will pick one of three, the Jim Carrey version of A Christmas Carol, which I still think is the best version that's ever been done. The animated one from a few years ago, it's the most faithful and well-performed, I think, to the original work. Or the original Miracle on 34th Street. Um, Or It's a Wonderful Life. But then I will cheat. Because even if I can't, we will eventually watch all the other two in our spare time because I'll make sure we get those three in every single Christmas. And then the last few years, here's maybe something weird. I've live tweeted our watching of It's a Wonderful Life whenever we choose to watch it every year as a family. I live tweet it out. And the people always follow along because that movie is so beloved. And I mean, I've had like some, you know, politicians and other people I would never think, a million years probably would not like anything I say, you know, will favorably tweet along with that movie. It's just so transcendent and timeless. So... That's about it. As John Miller here at the, at the Blaze TV likes to say, I'm a plain white girl. That's that's as weird as it gets for us. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on. John B. Johnson says, who is going to take over when Rush retires? Nobody. There won't, the industry is different. There, there won't be. The reason why you don't know who the 35 to 45-year-old next Hannity, next Rush, next Beck is is because the industry's changed now. And next Levin, those are your four biggies. Those four stand heads and shoulders in terms of audience share and following above everybody else, don't you think? Yeah, which means the takeover actually already happened. I mean, it's but it's not by an individual. It's by it's by the platform has correct. changed. Yeah, because because the finances won't work anymore for you to have a guy that's on 600 stations that are all, you know, 50,000 watt blow torches around the country that you're paying 200 million or whatever he makes a year because they're charging, you know, $10,000 for one sixty second spot. The economics of that don't work for a couple of reasons. One, the technology has changed all of this now. I mean, you guys can, you know, I don't know what you guys do in your spare time, but when I'm not doing this or work for this, I never listen to political talk. I'm listening to, 
hand, sports handicapping podcasts, theology podcasts, college football podcasts. I, you know, I love the uh, home station uh, that covers Michigan and Ann Arbor. I've got it on my phone all the time. All right. And so be, the technology's changed it and then market forces have changed it. I'm, you know, I, I was once uh, invited into a, a talkers magazine symposium with Rush Limbaugh's senior sales manager. This was back in 2013, right after the 2012 election. And it was after the, you know, Rush had called Sandra Fluck or Fluke. It was spelled, no, it was, was it, it was spelled Fluke. Was it spelled Fluke and pronounced Fluck or spelled Fluck and pronounced Fluke? I can't ever remember. Do you remember this chick? Do you remember one? You guys are taking, you know, I need, I need 20 grand for my birth control. Oh, I remember when you, her. Well, you can get a life-size supply, you know, supply of, of prophylactics for, you know, for the price of one rib, right? Okay. That, and then Rush called her a slut on the air. Whatever her name was, I don't remember. Rush called her a slut on the air. And this guy, his national sales manager, told us in the meeting that that changed. We're never getting what are called legacy advertisers ever again. You know, meaning a Ford Motor Company, a J.C. Penney, although they may, they may not be a legacy advertiser much longer. But somebody of that stature, okay? It doesn't matter how many viewers and listeners, they're never advertising with us ever again on, on the radio because of the political pressure of it. So that's why there's more on-demand models like we have at the Blaze TV or the Daily Wire or the NRA tried before they had their internal issues. That, you're going you're, you're to look at it that way more. So market forces and then technological evolutions, there won't be a, another rush. And, but instead of one singular rush or one singular Beck or one singular Levin or one singular Sean Hannity, what you're going to get is those guys are going to be like spawning solar systems like we have at the like ben does at the daily wire he's the sun and and there's a lot of planets there that orbit the sun but 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 he is the rising tide that lifts all boats and it, for us it's mark levin and glenn beck that give us opportunities to you know have our jobs it's going to look more like that i think in the future all right victoria ford gola says when you and todd say not to stand for gender dysphoric boys competing against our daughters what specifically would you suggest? Physically going out on the field of play to demand the boy be removed? Leading angry parents and storming the podium? Walking up to the ref or official demanding they disqualify the boy? Pull your daughter from the event? Exactly what? My daughter is only two years old, so I have time to raise bail money. Joking, not joking. I would answer yes. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. To me, I, I think this is, a, this, is a, this is a turning over the money changers event. I, I, I think this is, this is so... Um, illegitimate. It's such a stench, such a foul stench in the face of not even everything holy. How about reality in, uh, in, in and of itself? Like if someone wants to be for abortion or wants to have one, that's murder. That's, that's, that's the worst moral sin you can create. You can commit. But they don't have the ability to force you to drive them there, to watch it to happen, um, sign off on it, affirm it. This is this issue. There's no way out. You have to go through the market where they're selling the animals to be sacrificed for like the merchant of Venice to get to the temple. If you get the analogy that I'm drawing here, there's no workaround. I have to acknowledge your mental illness as reality. And therefore, I have to now assume your mental illness unto myself. I have to do it. You're shaking your fist at your creator. You're, you're, you're an ingrate. 
You may be doing so because you're mentally ill. If that's the case, go get counseling. Or you may be doing it because you're so deeply embedded in your own sin that this is a byproduct of it. Either way, I'm not qualified to answer that question. But for me to, for me to be in this presence, you are requiring me to co-sign this. I, I can't avoid it. I can't. So to me, when you, when, when you set the market up, and what we're peddling here is insanity. When you set the market up right, I, I have to go through this and I have to participate in this economy of scale to get to the temple. This is where we turn over the money changers as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think, it, I think at some point someone needs to say, hell no. Nope. Your founders tarred and feathered people. And don't let anybody tell you, I've researched it for, the, for truth bombs, actually. I was curious. I mean, because what I was told, tar and feather was lethal. Were you told that? You know, that, that's the political. Nobody ever died from a tarring and a feathering. I researched it. Nobody ever did. That's why they did it. Because it was a form of extreme corporal punishment that was used very judiciously as a way of showing this, what you're, what you're demanding is so outrageous that we can't make up our own minds whether that, that you, have an, you have an amount of chutzpah that needs to be reined in or you just lost your damn mind. And so one way we're going to find out is we're going to tar and feather you so that when you walk away and have to clean this off yourself, you're the one that has to wrestle with that question, not us. And don't ever bring that poop back here ever again. That's why they did it. So my answer to those things would, would be, yeah. I would answer yes to all of them. You want to chime in on that? And be prepared uh, just as much for what comes afterwards. I mean, you should. You need to be hoping whatever you do that somebody's rolling tape. I mean, trust me. If uh, if it if and when it comes down to it that I'm down on that uh, track, uh, everybody pull out your camera phones. Let's let's have this conversation. Let's follow up on all the people allotted. I'll answer all the questions you want to. Uh, let's see how much they're willing to answer. Um, let them see you cuff you. Let him see. Yep. Let him. I this want, is important too. Let yes. him see. I, and don't. And it might come to the fact where I have to tell my daughters as their form of protest not to compete, but over my dead body, will I ask them to make that sacrifice before I make mine as That's a That's exactly right. Don't put it on the kid first. They're the kid. Okay. Absolutely. That we don't don't make your own kids your your initial culture war pawns. That's what the other side does. Okay. Now, ultimately, you know that conversation may have to happen. And given the fact that it's their athletic endeavor, they should absolutely have a, a, a pretty substantial say in that, yeah. but don't start with, you know, because I'm no, you're not competing in that. Well, no, what are you willing to do? Where's the, where's the onus on you? You're the taxpayer. Those are that that's your school board that gets elected. You can vote. The kid can't. What are you doing about it? Always the initiative always begins and ends with the adults as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's it. It's another ask, uh, ask Dace anything in the books. Was there anything that was on the list that you were hoping was going to get asked that we didn't get to? Or did you rank them in the order that you wanted, Aaron, to make sure we got to them? No, I got through with the kind of fun, serious, fun, serious. Uh, oh, you, and, so you tried to create some symmetry there? Yes. And, and, okay. and there's nothing waiting there at the end that was a, a must answer. But there was some good stuff. Okay. 
Well, good stuff. Thank you, man. Thank, uh, and appreciate all of you on Facebook. First of all, thanks for persevering through the shadow ban. And secondly, thanks for posting your questions. We'll do this again sometime in January as well. That's going to do it for our show today. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash Dace. Steve, 20 off to get that special Christmas deal. By the way, $20 off an annual subscription. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.